What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the MPP, the Noah and Patrick podcast. This is episode number 58. We got a banger of an episode coming at you. So let's jump right into it. Yeah, no guests today, just us, you know, the usual. But we're going to start off with a little news about Bill Gates. Yep. Everyone's favorite billionaire. Is it? I nah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't think. I think he's hated a lot, but. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's liked anymore. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he ever was. But Bill Gates and his wife, Melinda, have decided to get a divorce after 27 years of marriage. And. You know, this is sad, but I'm interested to see how the money will be uh, divided up because, you know, Bill Gates, worth, worth a lot of money, this guy. He's uh, yeah. $134.1 to be exact. Jeez. Uh, so he has uh, three different companies and a foundation that are all worth over $15 billion each. I don't have the exact numbers unless you do, Patrick. No, I don't. But then he also has millions in real estate. Art and car collection he has are worth over $130 million together. And uh, over $30 million just in stock. And uh, man, you know, this made me think, I got to find a a rich wife. And, you know, just maybe after, I mean, I can last a a cool 25 years, you know. Sugar mama? Yeah. And then, then, you know, get divorced. Be a sugar baby. get, Get divorced after 25 years. That's fine with me. Yeah. And then after that, you know, I still have time to live my best life. <laughs> yeah. So once once uh, the wife filed for divorce, she nearly pocketed two billion dollars the same day she filed for divorce. Um, a lot of people have uh, been reading articles. They're saying that this was finalized like months ago. They were just waiting for the right time, making sure everything was smoothed out. So this was coming in, you know, months ahead. They knew what was going to happen, and they're pretty good keeping this under wraps, you know, keeping it quiet. But, you know, Bill probably paid some people off to keep it quiet. You know, something like this and how rich he is probably, you know, gave a gave a little a milli to uh, to the lawyers. Um, makes sense. I bet that's what most rich and famous people do is like like this stuff is like all done months and months before. And then they just find a time where it's like, okay, this is probably a good time just to say, you know. Yeah. It's been over. Yeah. And so, like, with the divorce, I guess uh, Bill Gates uh, sent his wife, Melinda, 14 million shares of the Canadian National Railway Company. And then uh, 2.9 million shares of AutoNation. So... You know, she's she's looking pretty good right now. Those shares are worth 1.8 billion and then uh, about 1.5 billion on the Canadian railway. It's kind of crazy. So, I think it she's looking pretty well off. She's chilling. So, yeah. like I'm, Noah. I'm pretty sure she's done a lot like also with Bill Gates. Like she's not just marrying and leaving you know she she's been involved in a lot of these things but still i mean come on like you get married and then you get divorced and you get like 
a billion in the first day. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> like a billion, two billion, two billion just on the day yeah. you get divorced. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, I was also just you know looking. I was looking for the numbers right now uh, on what the uh, on what Melinda got, but. There was another article saying that a lot of older people are getting divorced. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> so, I saw that article too. <laughs> I was the like, CNN article. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's like they're all just getting in different stages of their life and they've decided that, you know what, maybe they just want to have um, a different chapter and it doesn't include their current partner, something like that. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe eventually include somebody else. <laughs> They're saying. hiring. They're hiring the same lawyers that they uh, that Jeff Bezos hired and Warren Buffett. So, wow, <laughs> crazy. And uh, Jeff Bezos' wife got a lot, got a good amount there too. Yeah. So, I think you know, some people said that it was a really messy split, but hopefully everything works out for them. Yeah, I, I've seen two different things. One that it was really like not a good one, and other ones that are like, oh, it was just a mutual split. Like they just decided that, you know, yeah, it was time or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. You can never trust these these outlets really with that stuff. It's <laughs> like because they're yeah. like all a bunch of them are just saying different things, so there's, you don't really know the truth. Yeah. I guess Jeff Bezos' uh, divorce was the most expensive in the world. I bet. I mean, he's worth like $700 billion. That's crazy. Oh, maybe, well, no. maybe one day, huh? Yeah, maybe one day. Yeah, we'll just I, have I billions wish, of dollars. I wish I was rich enough to get divorced and lose $100 billion. <laughs> and still have and still have, left. And still be the richest man in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, super crazy. All right, Noah. What's your uh, what's your segment this week? Yeah, so last week we took a little little break from the segments, so uh, I had I had some extra time to think, you know, and uh, I didn't use that extra time at all. <laughs> I came up with this yesterday. Um, nice. So I have a I have something that we, I don't think we've done yet. It's uh, solving a mystery. So I found a website where there's f- they have five minute mysteries. <laughs> so wow. there's like there's like a story. Um, just, I'll just go through and read it and we'll just decide like what's going on there uh, if it's a murder mystery who did the murder but stuff like that so clue isn't that the game clue yes yeah, it's, it's, I mean it's not really like clue but yeah clue is like the murder <laughs> mystery game yeah and we can choose right now which one we want to do because I haven't chosen yet but there's some that have a higher um, percentage like people get it right yeah and there's ones that are really really hard so are we going easy <laughs> i we can or are we just going for it oh. attempts damn yeah so like this one's been attempted a thousand times but it has a 32 percent solve rate and there's one down here has 64 almost 65 percent nice so this one looks like a theft one though like who stole this it's a 61 house of lies oh 2000 times we can do an easy one since you know it's our first one we don't really know what to expect yeah holy crap this 10, one's 71 percent. Yeah. yeah this is looks like the one people probably start off with you want to go ahead and do this one yeah let's do it the cornfield caper 
Nice. By Brad published, Marsh. Published this year, huh? In February. These are all pretty new. <laughs> I'm so nervous, that, bro. The av- average time is only 5 minutes and 35 seconds. So Number of clues for... I mean, it, and I guess if this is really fast, we can do another. But um, the department store murder written by Tom Fowler. Nice. All right. So we have a suspect list here. Uh, right now, I'll go ahead and just read this three or first since that's what we're looking at. You got Ed Puckett, who will meet Gene Rogers, George Whitley, and Justin Tanner. And then we'll choose who the guilty suspect is down here. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty interesting Like that they did this. So, Leon Adams clocked in a few minutes before 10 a.m. on a very mild and sunny Tuesday in April, as he was supposed to. It took only a few minutes to open the cash registers in the men's department. Leon was a suit salesman, and he knew from experience that the first couple of hours on a weekday would be very slow. Slow to the point of boredom. So, he was surprised when customers began showing up shortly after opening. The first to arrive was Ed Puckett. All right, Ed Puckett's the first suspect on the list. Yeah. So Leon introduced them himself to the morning cup customers, and then he learns their names. Uh, Leon greeted Ed as he entered the men's area. Ed looked around and picked out a few suits to try on in, in the fitting room. Ed has not been back there long when Leon's second customer, Louis Murphy, showed up to the cash register asking about a good deal on a sport coat and a pair of slacks. Leon helped Lewis in finding them and led him back to the fitting room. Meanwhile, Ed was still in the dressing room. Leon was pleased that he had two customers in his area so early. It was only 1020. It's pretty early. Mm, Yeah. So Leon's, and then after Leon spotted Gene Roberts browsing the edge of the men's area at 1025. So five minutes after, just after noticing that Ed had left the dressing room. What a busy day. It was difficult to keep track of so many customers. <laughs> There's like three oh, no. customers there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Leon, come on. How busy can it be? <laughs> I guess this is a really good day for Leon. <laughs> I know. It must be pretty, pretty empty most of the time. <laughs> so Leon could see Ed wandering in the shoe department. So he moved on to his next sale, greeting Gene and escorting him to the dress shirt table. All the while, Luis examined himself in the fitting room's length full-length mirror he hoped Luis would like the sport coat and slacks he was trying on although he was some distance away from him the garments appeared to be a good fit so Luis, Luis isn't even a suspect yeah so, so they're, they're, they're trying to they're trying to distract us here we got maybe, Gene and maybe, maybe Lewis gets murdered maybe yeah maybe someone just comes up and just smacks him in the face so Ed's in the shoe department and then yeah. And then Gene's uh, trying on some clothes right now. Yeah, okay. Gene's, yeah, it's in the yeah. dressing the dressing room. Yeah. Or he's helping Gene at the shirt table. Yeah, table. yeah. All right, so now we got Justin Tanner coming in at 1030. Five-minute increments, these guys. Yeah. And uh, asked Leon where the men's sweaters were. So Leon, being the good guy he is, walked him over to the sweater table, just thanked him, and said he wanted to pick one out to try on in the fitting room. As Justin was browsing the sweaters, Leon decided to check on Louise. As he walked back towards the fitting room, he saw Lewis walk away from the mirror and return to his dressing room. It, at that point, it was only 10.36, and Leon was having an uncharacteristically busy weekday. Nice. Nice. You got that word right there. <laughs> hey, it was easy. Kind of early in the morning, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, 
I'm just the kind of guy I am, smart guy. So at 10.45, Leon saw Justin enter the fitting room with a green sweater, and Leon noticed that Lewis was still in his dressing room. Okay. Now at 10.50, our, our final suspect here, George Whitley, walked over to Leon from the shoe department and asked about a catalog order. Leon placed the order for him at the cash register, but it took a few minutes, and he did not finish it until 11.00. So, hey, it's more than a few minutes. Got These 10. are very specific times here. <laughs> I feel like. George paid for the order, which was a pair of dress slacks, and left. All right. So, so George was only in there for 10 minutes. And then at 11.04, Leon noticed Justin leaving the men's department. He had not purchased the sweater. Man, that's tough, Leon. All that time, huh? Yeah, all then busy I... day and not selling anything. <laughs> hey, no, no one's bought anything yet. At, at 11.10... Leon knew that Lewis had never left his dressing room and went to check on him. When he found him, he received the shock of his life. Lewis was dead on the floor with a knife wound in his heart. Blood covered the carpet of the small fitting room. Mercifully, there were now no customers in the men's department as Gene Roberts had left without trying anything on. No. Leon howled onto his composure long enough to return to the cash register and call the store security officer, Ronald Clay. Leon's mouth was hot and dry as Ronald answered the phone, saying simply, Clay speaking. Leon stammered, Ron. <laughs> Ron, get, o- no. <laughs> get over to the video now. <laughs> A customer has been murdered. Murdered. Uh, Ronald's retired detective. Oh, what are the odds of that? Lieutenant Ronald Clay of the city police department. He came back to work at the store after retiring from a 25-year career in law enforcement. There wasn't much that went on in the store that escaped his attention. Leon was grateful he was on duty and available to handle this nightmare. Clay quickly found the shocked Leon still standing at the cash register. Firmly but gently, Ronald had Leon lead him to the deceased customer. As soon as Clay saw him, he knew who it was. He said, I know this guy. He's Lewis Murphy. I dealt with him and his friends quite a bit when I was on the force. He's known as Louis the Lip and is a career mobster. Oh, dang. Weekly, Leon asked, so you think another crook got to him? Yeah, Ron replied. It's too much of a coincidence for it not to be mob-related. Dryly, he added, I've never seen a person murdered in a department store dressing room before, and I've seen a lot. This guy has Mm. seen things. Yeah. Within minutes of the store, uh, within minutes the store closed and a dozen police officers appeared on the scene. Clay knew that the key to solving the murder quickly rested with Leon. Oh, it's all up to Leon, who always knew where the men's department customers were at any given time. Oh, Ronald no. led him back to his office for a quick, quick visit or a quiet visit. He wanted to speak with him before his former associates did. After determining Leon was recovered sufficiently from the shock, he asked him to re- relay. I think it's re- supposed to be relay all the morning's activities he could remember. Leon remembered everything and relayed the activities and movements of the five customers in detail. Clay listened intently. After considering what he had been told, they went to the video room and reviewed the security tapes. After watching it a couple of times, Ronald told Leon. This is the murderer. Dun dun dun. So right. we got Ed, 
yeah. who was first to show up. Yeah. He was there the longest. So, you know. But he was also there for a while when uh, Lewis was there already. Yeah. So, so who came in 10 minutes and then left? Because it couldn't be him, right? No, because he was just standing there the whole time at the front. Yeah. Um, it was George. So George yeah. came up, asked for the catalog order, placed the order. Uh, it took a few minutes, you know. And then he paid for the order and then left. So and it doesn't say that Leon had to leave to pick up his order or anything, you know? Yeah. Well, so and then look, and then it says Leon noticed Justin, Justin leaving the men's department. Wasn't Luis in the men's department? Yeah, so he saw... So Luis walked into his dressing room. Uh, after after uh, Justin Tanner came in at ten thirty, so and then he he was just like, "Hey, where's the sweaters at?" And he's like, "I don't need any help." Oh, Leon saw Justin enter the fitting room with a green sweater, and then he didn't take and the sweater. Leon he just noticed left. that Louis Louis was still in the dressing room. I think it's Justin. Yeah, I think it's Justin too. I think it's kind of easy. George just dipped. Ed was walking around. He went to the shoe department. Probably messing up all the shoes over there, switching them in the boxes. I I think we can easily rule out George. Yeah, George is out. Yeah, I mean it has to be Justin, right? Yeah, Gene. Yeah, there's no way because where's uh Ed? I feel like wasn't Ed like just walking around, right? Yeah, because then he went to the shoe department or something, and then he yeah. left. Yeah. So and he... then Gene, what was Gene doing? Gene was uh oh Gene Roberts browsing the edge of the men's area. Oh it's like the Gene comes in to the story at like the very first at 1025. Oh yeah, greeted Gene and escorted him to the dress shirt table. So at this point he was still trying on the slacks and Gene was just getting in. And oh, Ed shoot. Ed was wandering in the shoe department. So it's between Gene and Justin. What time did Justin come in? Justin came in at 10.30. And then... Oh, then Lewis came back out and then walked back into the dressing room. When Justin went into his dressing room. Yeah. I think it's... I think it's Justin. Hey, but what happens to Gene? Does Gene yeah. ever leave? That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> Gene, right here, he's scan in that area it was difficult to keep track of so many customers is that the is that the clue right there because ed had already left and uh um lewis was still alive so, so the only, the only thing is here justin was in a fitting room already and but and then lewis was in a different fitting room and gene was just wandering the whole time <laughs> i think so i don't know if we're overthinking it are we overthinking Okay, my my first my first my gut reaction is Justin did it. Yeah. But now I'm worried about Gene because yeah. they don't I don't like how he just was wandering around and he might have So I, yeah, right here it's like he's like, "Oh, what's up Gene?" and then brought him to the dress shirt table and then Lewis was out and then he was like examining himself on the at the at the mirror outside of the fitting room, I guess. Yeah. So there, that's when Gene could have seen him. But then after that, Tanner walks in, or Justin Tanner walks in. And then when Tanner walks in, Lewis is still alive. 
Yeah, so Lewis came in at 10.36, and then at 10.40, at 10.45, Leon saw Justin enter the fitting room with a green sweater. And Lewis was still in his dressing room. Yeah. The only one that seems like he's not, like, keeping track of here is Gene. Gene's the only one he's not seeing anywhere. Justin got went to his own dressing room. We haven't seen Gene. I think it's Gene. <laughs> I I like okay, I like Gene or Justin. Let's just because G- let's go Gene. I think it's Gene, man. I like Gene just because he uh what is he doing? He's not doing anything. And he just kind of was just wandering. And then it said that, you know, it was so hard to keep track of people. And then, Leon, like, the story doesn't really mention Gene anymore. So, I like Gene. I'm yeah, still then, going. Oh, you, you, you want to say Justin? I, th- I think I'm still going Justin. You can go Gene. Okay, we'll see right now. Because he does say right here, the, the cop, retired cop or whatever, security guard said, like, he knows that he always keeps track of his customers in the section. Yeah. So and then he just Gene was nowhere to be found. So yeah. was he not? Gene in the probably section? went out the back door. <laughs> he never left. Well, they said that he left. He had left right here. It says, but after they already found the murder, had left without trying anything on. No customers in the men's department as Gene Roberts had left without trying anything on. But when did he leave? I never saw him leave. Here we'll go, Justin, since that's yours. I'm. I think it's Gene, but we'll, we'll put Justin here. Oh, it was Justin. Let's go, baby. Yeah, it was between Justin or Gene. That was like kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think our first instinct was right. Is like, oh, they were, oh he went to the dressing room. A full solution time. too. If you want to read it. So, Leon had suffered much in less than a half half a day. He asked simply, how do you know? Ron Clay answered, we know it was not Ed. You saw Louis after... Oh, I spelled Louis different. You saw, <laughs> you saw Louis at, alive after Ed left the dressing room and wandered into the shoe department. It wasn't George Whitley either because he came straight to you from the shoe department, mm-hmm. placed his order, cash register, and left. Yep. The same goes for Gene Roberts, as you said. He never entered the fitting area. True. Pausing for a moment, but he they, they didn't say, like, you know, where he yeah. was at all. Uh, the videotapes confirm everything you have told me. Leon was keenly interested in Ron Clay's words. He asked, so you think it was Justin Tanner that killed Louis? Yes, and not only because he was the only one who could have done it, I recognize him. He is also known as Jersey Jim Tanner, a sworn enemy of Louis the Lip. No doubt he saw him back in the fitting room area and seized the opportunity. Not a smart thing to, to do, but those guys are not known for being bright. Ron paused to let this soak in. With a thin smile, he added, You know, I spent over 20 years trying to nail both of those guys. If they had known I was a security officer here, I would never have seen either of them again. Okay. Well, that didn't tell me much. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we know it was just... Uh, Jersey Jim and Louis the Lip, huh? Yeah. This, this guy watches those uh 
Mob movies too much. Hey, Louis. Louis the Lip. Louis the Lip and Justin Tanner. Or Jersey Ju- Jim. Jersey Jim. Why is it Jersey Jim? His name's Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a red flag. <laughs> Yo. Uh, <laughs> so the average time is five minutes. We took 15, but I, it took me like 10 minutes to read it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it would have been five minutes if we just like. Oh, you, you could identify clues. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think when you like it was highlighted, so I think if you push on it, it would. Um... Yo, who's not who's picking Ed and and George? <laughs> All right. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, that was fun. <laughs> okay, I guess it wasn't fun for you. Yo, sorry. I thought you were gonna <laughs> say something else. Yeah, that was, uh, I liked it. I think like one was good, uh, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah. We should do like a hard one, like next uh, next time we think about doing it again. Yeah, definitely. If you guys want to hear uh, another one of those, let us know on our Twitter or Instagram at the MPP Live. I think those those are a good one to do. I think that'd be fun also to have with a guest. Yeah, and then, if you want to come on for that, you know, let yeah. us know. I'm really into like crime shows, so. Uh, I think that's why I liked it so much. Um, oh, the one thing Patrick watches too. He never watches movies. <laughs> I watch a lot of TV shows. Um, I'm watching the Marvel series right now. It's pretty good. Nice. Um, from in timeline order, so everything makes sense. Um, yeah. Super interesting. That's how good. everything connects. Um, yeah, I wanted to watch them because that new show um wandavision WandaVision. yeah i guess you kind of have to watch them yeah wandavision's like after endgame yeah so i I never watched the last two marvel movies or the avenger movies infinity war and endgame i didn't watch either of them (laughs) well that's that's the whole thing that's that's what we're here for no i know but like i I was like man it's taking forever to get to these points (laughs) (laughs) and then when they came i was like "Ah, i don't know but uh, yeah, on to sports now. Favorite subject, favorite part of the podcast. We have a quick question. Um, I saw this on Mini Sport Outlet um, on TV. Which sport is the easiest to win a championship? Oh, it's easiest. I I did mine on the hardest. Oh, okay. Well, do you want to do hardest or easy? I can do easiest. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Let's do. Let's do. We could do both, maybe. Okay. Go ahead. So so um so yeah, so mine and I said I chose the hardest. So the so I actually did two separate things here. I did the hardest like as a team sport and then the hardest just individually. Yeah. Uh I I thought the hardest championship to win at least as an individual would be an MMA uh title because mm-hmm. you know you have to physically beat up multiple people until you even get a chance to, you know, go at the title. And at that point it can take years of fighting to even get the chance to fight for a title you know yeah i feel that it's like the longest also probably like to just get just get the chance like you have to go like 15 maybe 15 wins or something just yeah or even maybe 20 i don't know um it's not like it's very rare for people to go undefeated as well so you you could lose maybe five you know it could take you a long time but I don't know what MMA, they kind of do like multiple fights a year. So 
it could yeah. be easier it, boxing i think boxing right it takes a long time to train yeah, they kind of just have like once once a year yeah they still do so like the fight. same the same thing with the mma i think i think most fighters only have like two maybe maybe three fights a year yeah because you know they have to recover after the fight and then they have to train for the next one and they get scheduled and all that stuff and they're all scheduled in advance but yeah boxing there's only like maybe two fights a year but most of the time it's one so that's you know a hardest sport to win a championship in individually the, the hardest individual one yeah. yeah the team the team sport i have right now it's the hardest uh would i chose baseball because you know everything has to go right in a baseball game to win it so like the the it, like just in general it's it's, it's it's called a game of inches because one yeah. little you know one little centimeter could be the difference between a home run a pop-up an out or an error and then like a, a strike in a ball you know there's there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of variables in baseball that have to go right for you to win a, win the game yeah especially the world um, series yeah i i agree i agree with that but you also said a game of inches and I'm thinking football. Football's pretty hard. Yeah, you you could prepare as much as possible, but you know, one little second or inch or something like you don't get a first down, you get intercepted or like even a tipped pass, you know? Like no one expects someone to just reach their hand up and um tip the pass. And also there's less games as well. There's only uh well now 17, but it used to be 16. Um, I think um, how they have it set up, you know, only you have the divisional, then the conference, and then the Super Bowl. So I don't think uh, – and it's just one and done as well. Baseball, True. you have a – what is it, seven-game series, five-game series? Yeah, you can argue that uh, seven games are are harder than just one. That is true. You could that, get swept. Yeah. <laughs> or or you can be up and then you just you have a, you still have the chance to come back and it's like yeah it's harder to to win the. Seven. I think over the last couple of years, I think people don't really like once it, a series gets three zero. I think a lot of people now are kind of thinking that you could have a chance to upset. I think for a while there wasn't any chance. Once you get three zero, there's no point of coming back. But I think now there's always like a chance now because it, it's happened not so many times but enough Before. times to be like okay like there's a chance but yeah it's actually possible yeah all right so the easiest what, what do you have for easiest um for the easiest to win a championship huh. are we going like all the sports yeah, sure. I I guess the main ones for the uh, hmm. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't do my research. Oh yeah, I, I I saw when I was just looking up in general that people a lot of people think NHL is the hardest to win. So I won't say it's the easiest. There, I think they're all hard to win. But yeah, I guess just out of the main sports, like the ones that are televised all the time. The easiest would probably be cornhole. No, I was kidding. I was kidding. Uh, <laughs> table tennis. <laughs> table tennis. Um, I would say. Okay, uh, I would say basketball. If, yeah, I was like, if we're looking at what what are the five? Uh, football, 
baseball that we said were the hardest. Soccer. So we only have basketball, soccer, and hockey. Hockey, yeah. I mean, I, I would go. I would go basketball only because you could have one really good guy lead you to the finals, and then as a team, show up in the finals. You know, like LeBron, one really good guy on the Cavs. Like when he went to his first finals against the Spurs, led yeah. him to the finals. But they just didn't have the good enough team to win it. But like, if your team shows up in the finals with your really good uh, teammate your star, yeah. you can. You win only it. need you only need four games to just you know have the superstar go off, and then at least some support players get at least double digit points. I think you could win. But again, that's you know you can have an off shooting night. You can pull a pin, Tam P, shoot it off the backboard. Um. I want to make the case for soccer. I feel like soccer is easy. You just have to tie. You still get points. True. Uh, yeah. I I don't think it's easy, though, like in a World Cup. No. I, I think, think that that's hard. That's like all these teams, different teams you have to face, all really good players. Yeah. Well, but I, yeah, I do think there's, there's some leagues in soccer yeah. that are easy. I wouldn't say they're all easy. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I feel There's, that. Yeah. I just feel like hockey's hard. Just like Yeah, you have to skate and then you have to I think just so, skating's hard. <laughs> also, like I know like once you get it past the line, like you know, it's all strategic too. You have to pass it back and forth so the defense shifts, but I don't know. I feel like shooting a hockey puck from that far away has to be like the hardest thing ever. Yeah. And then the goalie's like huge too, so you only have like small areas to shoot in yeah. as well. Yeah, I agree. And I saw I think they have like the most teams in the playoffs of any sport, so that's mm-hmm. what makes it hard too. But yeah, I think that that was a good little discussion there. Uh, yeah. Baseball is definitely, I think, the hardest. Um, MMA is just hard in general. Like how you beat up a guy. Uh, yeah. How you just go up to someone just. Pummel them, you know. <laughs> like that's how you win. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, speaking of some fighting here, you got some uh, Pacers head coach drama here in the NBA. So the Pacers now have an interim coach right now, and it's looking like he may not stay with the team, especially after the blow up with the players and the coaches happening during a game. And rumors are that his coaching style and the way he talks to players doesn't really sit well with the players. You know, th- this reminds me of the Bulls and Jim Boyland situation where the players just hated Jim Boyland and the way he coached and acted with the players. And, you know, he eventually ended up being fired a little bit after. But, you know, he wasn't the one who had the incident here. The assistant coach, uh, I guess, got into it, got into it with the Bitazde. I think that's how you say the center for the Pacers. Um <laughs> The guy, he, he was just coming back to the court, didn't try his hardest, so the assistant coach kind of just yelled at him. And you know what? He was like, hey, I'm a, I'm a 6'10 guy. You're an assistant coach. I can beat you up if I wanted. You know, And uh, and then also people didn't like how the head coach you know, responded to that situation. So, you know, uh, some trouble going on with the, the coaches in, in uh, Indiana. Is Indiana going to make the playoffs? I, don't know. I think right now they're nine. 
So with the extend, extended the playoffs, yeah, they're they're okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, this coming out. Um, T.J. Warren requested a trade because of the head coach. So T.J. Warren had wasn't he with the guy who went off in Orlando? Right? Yeah, he had a fifty point game in the bubble. Yeah, so for him, you know, I feel like he wanted to stick with it, but he got denied the trade request, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, they didn't trade him. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I We'll see what happens. I bet more is going to come in the off season as well, but see what happens. And then next, there's some more coach stuff going on for the Cavaliers. The... Cavs star point guard Colin Sexton was reportedly praised all of the time by the Cavs coaches <laughs> and staff during his rookie year and uh, the year after. Whether you know whether he was slumping or not, he was shooting bad. Uh, and apparently, all of these staff members and coaches were ordered by the Cavs front office, the the owner, to do it. Uh, make sure he felt like you know he was worth something. But I mean, it looks like it paid off. Because he had a a great year this year so far. And yeah. In my opinion, he can win most improved. Uh, he has, tw- I think he's averaging like 24 points a game, five assists. But it hasn't really helped the Cavs win since I think <laughs> they're like the 14th in the East. So they're, they're shooting for that top five pick. Yeah. And plus, like, Sexton is a great player. Like he can he can uh, get his shot whenever he wants, and he's a good defender. I think. Um, d- I I think him being paired with Darius Garland too. I, I don't. Didn't they pick those two back to back in the drafts? Back to back years. Yeah, Colin like was first, two, and then Garland. Two point guards. So I think that's where they went wrong as well. But yeah, on the. So for the staff, you know, always praising, it says here, when Sexton was struggling as a rookie, the coaches were ordered to continue playing him no matter what. Uh, The team support staff was ordered to continually praise him pregame, midgame, postgame, Colin, 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 as uh, someone said. So it also says that the team doesn't really like him as well. So that's that's always a bad bad news for the team if the coaches are you know kind of faking praising him and then the team doesn't like him oh my goodness that's that's not what you want in an organ organization well, i remember when he was a rookie i don't remember who it was i think it was channing fry he came out and was like yeah well we have some guys on here that don't pass the ball <laughs> he was talking to <laughs> colin sexton so that's yeah good. but but colin sexton will always be a legend for when he played on Alabama, a three versus five game, and they almost yeah. won the game. Like that, that <laughs> was the most legendary thing I've ever seen in my life. And that Colin Sexton was leading that. He had like 50 points that game. So he always kinda, be remembered. Like, how do you have someone drop 50? You have five people. Yeah. You double cover the guy. Five against three. And he was just destroying, and they almost came back. <laughs> they played better yeah. without the other two guys. <laughs> yeah. Super crazy. Next thing that we have, uh, so, so something unique that the Golden State Warriors have launched is that they launched a NFT collection that's a non-fungible token collection, uh, digital assets, digital collectibles, 
Um, and it's all going to go to the Warriors Community Foundation. Um, so it's a pretty cool uh, opportunity to get digital stuff, uh, stuff including ticket stubs, um, rings. <laughs> I don't know how you get like a ring, but it's like it's just digital, di- just digital but... ring, just a picture of the ring. Well, I, yeah. I bet you could like a 3D something like you can spin it around, look at it. Honestly. Yeah. The so I guess the winning bidder will receive a one of a kind physical ring created by uh Beverly Jason of Beverly Hills. Yeah, but I mean, I think that the one who's gonna get the top are spending thousands and thousands of dollars. I, I don't remember what I saw before in an article, but I think the highest bid was already like ten thousand or something like that. Damn, that's crazy. And I, I bet it's higher now. I think it's over already, but um, yeah. Yeah, but they get like notable game highlights. Um, and the Warriors are the first professional team to release a digital collection like this. So uh, this is like the same concept of the NBA top shot, except, of course, the highest person gets an actual thing. Yeah. And then uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more teams do this uh, either for, you know, like the, like a charity thing or just for another um, stream of income for the, for the team. I think every team will do it like as a charity for a little bit and then it'll just switch to where it's, the money goes to them, I think, at some point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I still don't see it. I, I don't see the, the hype and just getting like a little thing on your computer. Yeah. But I guess some with some of the things that they're auctioning, it does sound like you get something physical as well. But of course, that's going to be the most expensive one. Like the Warriors Golden Ticket NFT, it's commemorating uh, franchise history over 75 years. This includes... Uh, the highest build bidder will get the opportunity to participate in a warrior for a day experience, which sign you sign a mock one day draft with the team, uh, one day contract with the team. That's kind of crazy. Just be on the warriors for a day, you know, maybe do a little shoot around. I see if that's a, <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. Uh, you also get uh, two courtside tickets and more, but yeah. I, I would just be down, shoot around, little layup line maybe, and then sit on the bench. That's good. It's good to me. And then just watch from the sideline. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that sounds like a $5 million player to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a, sounds like a uh, 10-day contract to me. Hey, you know, Lou Dang <laughs> was doing that same thing, getting paid $30 million a year. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I can go Mozgov, you know, $20 million guy sitting on the bench doing layup lines, going to practice. Um, Mozgov. There's a, there's a lot of people who were doing that and getting paid to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Not paying for it. <laughs> All right. So in our last one here, uh, I'll say a little bit of what I know about it, but Patrick can take it over. We have, we have some golf, golf news. Just like soccer, who, who would have thought soccer and golf would be compared here? Uh Golf will be uh, was looking at starting its own super league, so they may be starting their own super league. A Saudi-backed group of people and organizers are the ones that are setting this up. They have the the idea. 
then their idea is that they'll fill a 12-person team and the league would compete in 15 to 18 tournaments around the world. Pretty interesting there. Uh, some of the players that have been approached for this are Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Hideki Matsuyama, Adam Scott, Brooks Kepka, 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 Bryson DeChambeau, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, and Justin Rose. Uh, I guess these are the ones uh, that have been approached that we know about. There's probably more. And they have received offers of, speaking of $30 million, 30 to $50 million. And they would become part owners also. So pretty crazy offer to say no to. But someone has said no. You know who that guy is, Patrick? No, no. Who? Rory McIlroy. Mm. So he wasn't mentioned on the names. So um, maybe he's wanted to feel included. And he was like, nah, I'm not doing it. But yeah, but, but he said he's not interested. Uh, Phil Mickelson said he was intrigued by the idea. So don't, don't count him out yet. And then the rest are all considering the offer. Yeah. So, so interesting there. Uh, the PGA Tour Commissioner, uh, I don't remember his name, it's like John. Uh, he came out and said that any player who accepts and joins the league will be immediately banned and a lifetime suspension from the PGA Tour. Uh, but I mean, if I were to... If I were to accept, I mean, how do you not accept this offer, man? Like, so what if I get banned from the PGA Tour? I made thirty million dollars. I don't. I never. I never have to play golf again. Yeah, but now nah, don't don't say but don't say but. But I would <laughs> never have to play on the PGA Tour again in my life. I'm not banned from golf, right? I can go play golf with my thirty million dollars in my back pocket. But go play in Dubai. What do you mean, but Noah? Fifty million. You're speaking about the PGA Tour that has legacy. You know they have the four majors. That's how you get into a Hall of Fame, Noah, by Hall winning fame. those majors. Yeah, well, I'm putting tournaments. I'm if you a... go to the Breakaway League or the Super Golf League or what they call the Premier Golf League, you don't get that. You just get the money, and all these people aren't in it for the money, Noah. All the top players they want to be winning majors <laughs> they want to be winning the green jacket at augusta they don't want the money that's why they don't want to go hey i can go to a just like that that five five minute mystery go get my own five or a green sport coat from that store over there man i don't know look okay i, I understand what you're saying the legacy blah 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 that just put me to sleep for those of you who couldn't see the the video. I was sleeping on that part Patrick was talking about. $50 million check. $50 million. You're saying no to $50 million? Some of, some of these people get $50 million in a year just on off endorsements. That's The, the top players aren't going to go. If you're talking like Joe Smo or me. Oh, you. <laughs> oh, yeah, you. <laughs> I would I'll too. Go play. I'll go play wherever you want me to play. You want me to play in Pakistan? I'll play there. Hey, look, I'll learn right now how to play golf if you're offering me $50 million. <laughs> I'll go out every day and do it. Exactly. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I doubt they're going to go. No one's going to go to this. I doubt away. it's going to work. <laughs> Just like the soccer thing is all going to fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, but, they 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 came out with this like earlier, like before the pandemic. So yeah, um, that's, that's when Rory like really was harsh about it. Um, but now right. yeah, events could mind, events can start September twenty twenty two. So we'll see what happens in a year or so. So, yeah. I mean, I would do this for a few thousand. <laughs> Couple thousand, housing, Couple thousand? Yeah. a little food voucher, you know. Get to travel the world, 15 tournaments, embarrass myself in 15 different places. <laughs> All right, well, you know, a lot of that was joking. So, I don't know. People might not have understood that, but. Yeah. All right, well. <laughs> This has been another episode of the MPP, the Noah and Patrick podcast, and we'll see you guys next week. See ya.